The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb. Open our hearts to believe the good news. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The lesson today is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to God. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. So close. So close. (laughs) That last sentence, uh, it's a trickster. I often wonder why Easter is the most attended Sunday of the year. What inspires people to church on Easter? Is it the flowers? The music? The dashingly dressed preacher? Perhaps it's a type of, of insurance for eternal life. I hope that's not why you were here. 
That is just bad theology. <laughs> Why do the multitudes show up on Easter Sunday? I have an idea, yet I'm going to tell you a story first. My family owns a farm in Athens, Ohio. It's not a working farm with livestock and crop. It's a tree farm, specifically pine trees, thousands and thousands of, of pine trees. As a young boy into my adolescence, I spent nearly every weekend on the farm with my grandpa Wooden and my cousins, specifically Mike, or Mikey, as he was known when we were children. The farm was a magical place for us. I'm sure you can imagine the mischief and adventures young boys can live out with a couple hundred acres at their disposal. When I was 11 and Mike was 9, Grandpa bought us both a four-wheeler. Big four-wheeler. Technically, he bought the four-wheelers for the farm. But we claimed them as our own. The four-wheelers changed our lives on the farm. Where once we walked and ran from place to place, we now drove. Where once we spent endless hours playing in the old barns or in the creek or living out some wonderful imaginative adventure, we now spent endless hours crisscrossing the farm at no more than 45 miles an hour. <laughs> so imagine what happens when two boys are stuck in the house on a rainy Saturday and they have forgotten how to exist without their four-wheelers. What to do? Duh, ride in the rain. That's what you do, you ride in the rain. So Mikey and I put on our rain gear and out the door we went, leaving Grandpa sitting in the kitchen reading his latest National Enquirer. I kid you not. He loved the National Enquirer. At first, Mikey and I drove aimlessly around the farm, yet even in rain gear, rain hurts at 45 miles an hour. So we needed an alternative. And Mikey had this really wonderful idea. Really wonderful idea. Let's do donuts. Let's do donuts. You know donuts, right? For those of you who don't, accelerate the gas, turn the wheel, spin in a circle. At the time, it seemed like the best idea. The best idea at the time. So off we went into the field nearest the creek, and for the next hour we did donuts. Glorious donuts. Ripley's Believe It or Not type of donuts. We were donut gods. I'm humble about it, but we were. We knew it, and we left our field of victory with pruned skin and sashes of mud. As we entered the mudroom off the kitchen, Grandpa looked up from his National Enquirer. And upon taking in the sight of us, he asked, what have you boys been doing? We were covered in mud. And I replied like the champion I thought I was, we've been doing donuts. Mikey standing to my right, wore a smile from ear to ear, nodding his head. Grandpa stood and asked, where? And we said the field beside the creek. 
And he walked past us without saying a word. And he exited the back door. Mikey and I exchanged a glance and did the, I don't know, shrug. I don't know. A few moments passed and we were taking off our rain gear and such. And Grandpa returned to the house. And he wore an expression not of anger, but he was not happy. So he's not angry, but he's not happy. And he said to us, boys, go and take a shower, change your clothes, and meet me right back here. Mikey and I exchanged another glance. We knew we were in trouble. And I desperately began trying to figure out how to blame him (laughs) for it. It was his idea. Even though I was older, it was his idea. So following our showers, we returned to the mudroom where Grandpa was waiting. And upon an inspection of us, he said, follow me. And so we left the house. In the rain, we walked in silence in a single file line, Grandpa leading, Mikey in the middle, and me bringing up the rear. And Mikey constantly turning around to make sure I was there. (laughs) The thought did cross my mind to run. The first stop was our field of victory. And it was a disaster, an absolute disaster where earlier in the day it had been covered with with grass, now it was destroyed earth. Nothing but mud and enormous tire ruts. The air of our choice began to sink in. Without a word, Grandpa began walking towards the creek. And like little ducklings, we followed our, our leader. We crossed the creek and walked about a mile and a half, or a half a mile, I'm sorry, before stopping at a tree that had fallen the previous year in an ice storm. The tree was, was dying. Mikey and I stood about 10 feet from the tree, and Grandpa, with his back to us, asked the question, boys, what do you see? We exchanged another glance uncertain of of what he was asking. And he asked again, boys, what do you see? I spoke up, a tree. Seemed like a safe answer. What else? And Mikey answered, leaves. And I think in that moment we both thought, okay, we got this. (laughs) We are okay. Like this is just some some fun nature walk. And then Grandpa walked closer to the tree and began rocking with his foot until it rolled a bit. Again, it wasn't a large tree. And he gestured us forward, and he asked again, what do you see? And we looked at the spot where the tree once occupied, and we saw ants and pill bugs and other, other insects. Grandpa finally turned to us and said, boys, what you did in the field today, you can never do again. I'm not mad at you, and you're not going to be punished. This is my fault. I had not taught this to you before, but now I need 
to teach you something very important. Which you can never forget. He then said, boys, there's always life on the farm. Even if you cannot see it, there is always life on the farm. And you always have to protect the life on the farm. What you did in the field today will take years to recover. And although I know you were having fun, you also hurt the farm. You hurt the farm's life. One day I won't be here, and you will have to care for the farm when I'm gone. You will have to care for the life on the farm. Do you understand? And we nodded our heads, understanding yet not fully understanding, but understanding enough to know that we were never doing donuts again. <laughs> Today, I do understand. I understand that life is delicate and fragile. I understand that life exists beyond my vision field. Life in the margins, life under the dying tree, life in the sorrows of life. There is always life. And I believe that is what inspires people to church on this day. To hear the Easter story one more time of how there's always life. Even when we cannot see it or believe it or feel it, there's always life. And we come not because we think the Easter story has changed or might end differently than last year, but we come because our story our individual story has changed and is changing. And we are not sure how it will end. Life is hard. Relationships are brittle. We work to make life-giving changes only to return to those non-life-giving ways. One day all is well, the next, it's all different. Life has fallen apart. The doctor gives a diagnosis. A spouse wants a divorce. We watch a parent struggle with dementia. We worry about our children. A loved one dies. It feels as though we are hanging on by a thread, and life feels lifeless. These and a thousand other stories are the stories that we carry with us today. Stories of change and fear and mistakes and loss and death. And they are the reason that we want and need to hear the Easter story one more time. Regardless of what happens next in your story, the ending has been written. The stone has been rolled away. There is no body 
The tomb is empty. There is nothing there because God has guaranteed our life. God has a future for each one of us. That is the promise of Easter. That's why we come here today to hear the story one more time. There's always life, even if we cannot see it or believe it or feel it. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. Your precious, fragile life is guaranteed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we, we rise with him. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Amen.